Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast that had one host order food from the worst Chipotle in the country today. But the order was good, Banks. After you complained about it on Twitter, you, are, you, you went back to the well and it worked out. So I'm happy for you. Very, very That's, happy. I mean, you're putting words in my mouth already. Uh, the, order, the order was okay. Okay. I ordered double meat, and I would say there was 25 to 30% more meat and not double meat. So we can improve on that. But if that's the only thing wrong with the order itself, I guess that's a step in the right direction. This is like getting actual buzz, I think, on Twitter about how bad the Chipotle and Ford Avenue and Fed Hill is. Well, I guess, yeah. I didn't even tweet about it this time around, but I was kind of telling you guys who, who, who tweeted about it? Was Sean Elliott? Was Sean Elliott that tweeted about it, Ravens-wise? There was a Raven that tweeted. It may have been him. Yeah, I think it was him. I think it was him. Um, just it a, right. a historically, historically bad Chipotle. Just messes up orders all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of had a beef with the app itself. I was kind of explaining to you guys, you got to hold down the button for more than three seconds, like more than one. You know, if, you, if you've been on the app, you know what I'm talking about. You got to hold the button to submit the order. You shouldn't have to hold it for seven seconds like you have to like if the, the circle expands and it fills the screen and that should be it but no apparently you have to hold it for seven seconds so august 30th that's your pulley off east fort and lawrence street and be more customer service always so trash fam lol Deshaun Elliott. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great he's not tweet. wrong he's a great tweet. and you guess what he's got 1100 likes on it so 1100 likes that's so many likes Chipotle responds. Shooting us a DM so we can help. <laughs> uh, Chipotle. Those are the best. Their, uh, oh, what's the name of their? Uh, damn, on their app they have got some stupid like placeholder name. The person that helps you with stuff. Where's Chipotle on Earth at Barstool Banks? You said it is known. You got forty-eight likes. Plus the parking is trash. The parking's really not that bad. There's enough parking around there. Uh, it's, it's a weird traffic scenario that you have there with the like kind of a U-turn, and if you're, it is a tough. It's taking a tough the left. It's a tough entry. side to go along like the Lido and towards the corner of the Southside Diner. You've got like these lanes that are cutting. I don't know. We're this is not a breakdown to the is it now infrastructure of, of Southside Marketplace it, 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 it podcast, but. It is, it is topical stuff. I mean, you have, you have Deshaun Elliott talking about that. Deshaun Elliott said today that Marlon Humphrey is still the best cornerback in football and that he would show it to us all. Marlo is always going to be all pro Marlo. He's the best cornerback in the league. He's going to show you all that. So Deshaun Elliott's out here slinging it. He, he's, he's got things to say. Um, and the reason he's talking on the media is because we've got a Ravens game this weekend. Ravens and Vikings back after a bye week um, home for the Ravens. But we have to start with the fact that last week, we had all this great free time to talk about trades. Banks was getting triggered about Marlon Mack and running backs. We were talking about offensive linemen. They have to make a trade. They've got to find some depth. EDC does not make a deal. The Ravens go quietly. A pretty quiet NFL trade deadline for the most part, at least on deadline day. The Von Miller trade was really the biggest, biggest deal today. The Ravens stand pat, don't do anything, and then announce the Chris Westry off the IR news at 401. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff right after the deadline. I want it on record. I'm the only one that said that they wouldn't make a trade. Yes. I Do I know EDC better than you guys do? Many, many know. are saying that. Many are wondering if the Titans should have traded for a running back. So, listen, listen, this is not – you don't want to get me started on this. 
was a rough day. A lot of banana Laffy Taffy's were cons- over. <laughs> at least 20 banana Laffy Taffy's were consumed Monday morning in between 9 o'clock and we'll say 1230. Uh, I literally had, had somebody at a Halloween party on Saturday night. First thing they really said to me was, I cannot fucking believe Eric took Laffy Taffy 1-1. What a joke that is. My DMs were flooded with people being like, thank you for speaking up. For the LT community. That? Yeah, show us the receipts. I on literally that. tweeted them out. I tweeted that out. Is that something? You probably like, had like one and a half people, like one person no, maybe no. dip their toes what? in. I and there's just another to... puppet like you, probably has pet snakes and weird shit like that. I have not been able to get to all of the, the DMs. Laffy Taffy oh, you haven't been able to severely get underrated, especially for our Halloween <laughs> candy. If it's a regular candy draft, yeah, Laffy Taffy doesn't get taken, but it's an, an elite Halloween candy. And then in all caps, elite. What? That I, person, I'm not making this up. You're going to out that person's handle? Yeah. You know what his name is? Eric. Oh, my God. It's not me, but there's another Eric out there. Who said, who said at the Halloween party, Banks? Is that someone we knew? Yeah, dude. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, what a, yeah, it's horrible. It's a horrible pick. It's it's another thing Taylor No showed too, by the way. No. I, some, people, some people have to work. Some people have to work. <laughs> okay, some people have got to. I'm out there commiserating with, with, with podcast listeners. Some, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm putting food on the table for the pod, okay? <laughs> some people have to work on the weekends, all right? Oh, are you go. working at, at 1230 on Saturday night? No, I went to bed because we, so, we have senior day for Maryland men's soccer the next day. So, look, this is a hard life I live, all right? <laughs> doing yeah. sporting events every single day. Just, do it, just you know, work and watching sports. Yeah. Everyone has, I'm sure everyone That's feels tough. really bad for me. So sure. tough. sure everyone feels bad for me. <laughs> You know, the kids got to get some sleep. Uh, did you guys, do you think ultimately that EDC made the wrong decision here? Thanks. Would you like to have seen a trade? I think we're fine with what we have. Like there's areas that we'd like to improve upon, but um, you know, we've, we've got guys coming back. You can kind of make the case that Nick Boyle coming back and Derek Wolf potentially coming back. And those are your trades. Um, we, we have, we kind of got into this a little bit last week. Like we draft a lot of guys every year in order to have depth at a lot of these positions. And so, yeah, we've gotten thin in some spots, but um, that's kind of the luxury you have where you've got a deeper roster where you know, you're not necessarily up against the wall when it comes to situations like these. Yeah. The offensive line has been a weak spot. Um, saw one of those statistics that Lamar Jackson's been hit more than anybody else in the league, but um it is what it is. Like we've got a good football team. We've gotten a five and two with the guys that we've had, you know, with all the injuries and such, and uh, we're getting guys back. So we're going to try to, you know, get rested up. Lamar Jackson said he's feeling 110%, which I think he's been kind of nicked up the entire way, the, you know, from training camp on. So that's an encouraging thing. Um, so, you know, whatever. He, he didn't make a lot a big splash, and there's other teams making big splashes for all the wrong reasons right now in the league. So um, it is what it is. It's I trust in EDC. That's kind of the mantra. It's, you know, another situation where you just got to trust a guy who far more times than not makes the right decisions. And if there wasn't a situation where he could have helped the team at the right price, I'm sure, you know, it wasn't there. So here we are. RDT, you did predict that the Ravens would not make a trade. Do you think they should have made a trade? I mean, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, you, did, you saw the Steelers make a move. It's not like everyone went out. It's not like the Ravens were the only team staying put and, and holding on to their picks. Again, the biggest name moved was um, Von Miller. 
it wasn't like everyone was 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 shipping off picks and stuff like that. I don't know. I think they're content with what they have and the guys that they have coming back. Because again, I mean, I saw a graphic and there was like six or seven players, like key players, who are going to make their way back in the next couple of weeks, either off IR or after the bye week. You know, they're gonna they're gonna get these guys back, which are basically like you know, say you they're adding new free agents, it's whatever. Um, no, I mean, I, I think they're fine with with where they are. Again, things could not have worked out better for them on the bye week. They basically won the bye week without playing with the Bengals losing, the Titans losing their biggest playmaker, arguably the biggest playmaker in football. Um, they're, I mean, they're, they're sitting prettier now than they were two weeks ago after that, after that uh, disgusting loss to the Bengals. So I don't know. I, I think they're fine. And who knows, maybe there are some guys that get cut in the next couple of days some disgruntled players in Cleveland um, player, I guess, I guess I should say that I know people want the Ravens to go after, but um, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, they can always add someone if there's, they get cut, something like that. It doesn't have to be a trade, but I, I think they're fine, you know, sticking to their guns and not overpaying for someone that, that, that they wanted. Yeah. I, I still would have liked to have seen them and maybe it just wasn't out there, figure out a way to get some more help on the offensive line, just because, it doesn't feel like of all of the things they can address internally, that's the one place that I'm just not sure is ever going to get healthy enough for them to, you know, not think about having another option. But as you said, you can find that guys get cut, whatever. Um, I think the biggest thing you said, you said guys coming back from injury, their roster construction and their, what they're going to do with, with, you know, the 53 man roster, all that stuff is going to come into play as guys come back. So maybe they didn't feel like they could throw out a pick, bring another player in and then have all these guys on the roster. Um, so that is actually going to be the most interesting part transaction. I think of what the Ravens do is how they manage the back end of the roster. Now as guys comes back. Um, so yeah, it, it, I would have liked to have seen that, but you know, clearly out there. And as you, and I think already you said, it, it's not like teams were out there, like tossing picks around here. Like, you know, the Rams went more all in and they have to kind of go all in because they have no picks. So they're just continuing to trade away all yeah. of their picks. Um, to try to win a Super Bowl, which, you know, is certainly a way to go about it. If you're going to be all in, you might as well go all in and then they'll, you know, you know, they, they cross they, that bridge when yeah. we get there. They'll cross that bridge when they get to it. They'll if, go full rebuild. Also, if I'm Sean McVay, I'm quitting in like five years once all those draft picks, like once they start getting these drafts that have no picks, I'm, I would just bounce. Be like, well, he's, here's the thing. If they don't win the Super Bowl and they do that, they'll just fire him. Oh, so yeah, yeah. But like, I mean, that team is going to be in. God, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a nightmare to watch them in a couple of years. Just what they do. It's it's going to be very interesting to see how they navigate that whole the roster, their salary cap. You know, everything that we think is fake because it doesn't make sense to me. Did the Ravens miss out on Laurent Duvernay Tardif? Tardif. Is he the doctor? Wasn't he the doctor? He's the doctor. He's the doctor. He's the doctor. He's the doctor. Goes to the Jets. Now, every time you watch the Jets, you're going to hear about how he saved COVID. It's going to be great. <laughs> be great. What a guy. Seems like a great guy. He really um, does. He's Canadian. He's a good old boy. Yes. Yes. Check um, no, I think it should be mentioned, and I think Eric alluded to it a little bit. When we did the show last week, we were kind of reeling off the Bengals' loss and, of course, trying to, you know, say, hey, it's just one game. And then we sat back and watched the Jets beat the Bengals. We watched – I mean, let's be honest. I think we fear – not fear is maybe not the right word, but we're a little more wary of the Browns than the Steelers are at least coming into the season – and then the Steelers beat the Browns. We look around the rest of the AFC, and we see the Chiefs look terrible against the Giants the other night. They had no business beating anybody, really, with the way they played that night. 
So you look around the room and you say, I mean, you can look at it two different ways and say, hey, we should really step on the gas here and make a trade. Or you can say, hey, we're five and two. We're, you know, what, a half game off of the, the conference lead. We're back um, half game ahead in the division. Things are doing okay here. Like we can just try to weather the storm here and get into the tournament and see where things go. We still have Lamar Jackson and he's still healthy. So you have to wonder if maybe the landscape of the weekend and all those types of things change the complexion for both teams like the Ravens that we're trying to evaluate where they're at relative to everybody else. And then where these other teams are at in terms of like, Hey, like, <laughs> I don't know. The trade market could have gone wild with, with teams like the Broncos. I mean, the few weeks ago, they look like a team that maybe could contend and make some noise, at least make the playoffs in the 17 AFC. And now they're, they tanked and they're, they're trading assets away. And so, um, you know, the, the, the landscape was maybe a little different when we did the show last week on Wednesday versus Tuesday at four o'clock after the week that unfolded. And I'm yeah. looking, I'm looking at the standings now in the AFC. It's, it's Titans one at six and two, the Raiders at five and two, the bill, the Ravens at five and two, the bills at five and two, the Bengals at five and three. So the two teams ahead of the, the, the Ravens, the Raiders who are again, having a, Terrible week. It's a terrible situation out there. And then the Titans, who, again, lost Derrick Henry this week. So who knows what they're going to be going forward. Again, the Ravens, I feel like, are – and even the Bills didn't look great against the Dolphins last week. Um, no. Again, the, the Ravens are sitting much prettier than I think we thought they were a week ago at this time. I think at this point in the AFC, as you said, it's, like, incredibly jumbled. And there's no obvious – elite teams like all of these teams have holes whereas you look at the nfc it feels like the packers cardinals rams the bucks the cowboys might be a little bit of fool's gold at six and one but at least those other four teams seem like the four best teams um whereas i think you could make a case for any like somehow the steelers are four and three and i don't feel like they've played well any week except for week one against buffalo the chargers coming into baltimore a few weeks ago with a flavor of the month Justin Herbert looks like he's kind of forgotten who he is. Um, somebody texted me this week that the, that, that the Ravens broke Justin Herbert, just broke him. Like, he has just not been the same guy. Um, and as you said, Bill's kind of struggled. Like, the Patriots are 4-4, four and four, but they haven't looked all that impressive in any game. The Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs against, against the, the, a bad New York Giants team at home – you feel like that's a get-right game, and they kind of, like, struggle through. If the Giants had any type of ability to do anything, they have a very good chance to win well, the game. Well, well, Joe Judge's headset doesn't work. So. I mean, he – they look just point. poorly coached. They he just stinks. look like a poorly coached team. They really do. I mean, it's um, – so, like, who's the team? As you said, Titans 62, no Henry, and then the Raiders. There's, there's, there's so many things to go into there. So, what – like – I don't even know if you if you know you're doing the big like national show talking point thing like who would you pick to come out of the AFC right now? I mean, I, who knows what this looks like in a month? It's and I think that's not a bad point, Banks, to say, hey, all right, do we really need to go mortgage a lot of things to get that much better when we look at this conference and think, all right, yes, we had a tough loss to Cincinnati, but we really could beat any of these teams. I mean, who? It's it. Buffalo doesn't look like Buffalo from last year. Really scares you. Kansas City certainly doesn't. The Ravens already beaten Kansas City. Yeah, so, I think it, Buffalo is the team that like, I think it stands feel like out. A, doesn't feel like there's a boogeyman to chase. 
Whereas yeah. if you're in the NFC and you're the Rams, you've got to figure out a way to get better to beat Aaron Rodgers. You've got to figure out how to beat Tom Brady, and that's why you go get Vaughn Miller. Doesn't feel like there's that team in the AFC that everyone's got to chase and get to. Uh, and the Ravens are certainly not that for everybody else. So it's interesting. It, if Cincinnati goes out and wins on Sunday, I wonder if they do something different. I don't know. Probably not. I don't think they think maybe that. But there's definitely – Cincinnati-Cleveland is a fascinating game this weekend. Yep. Yeah. And really, like, one – whoever wins, you know, they get a little step up on the other. But I, I don't feel like we're going to walk away from it. Um with any definitive answers, just because the season flip-flops so much. Like, I, who's who right now is exactly the entire conversation we're having. The Browns have some wheels coming off of it vibes going on right now. The oh, Browns? Yeah. No. The Browns. Doesn't sound like yeah, they always, yeah, it doesn't something sound like that would happen with them. But Browns now, is the Browns. Is the Browns. It's incredible. It's every single year. It's every single year. Uh, so, I mean, the Baker from all angles contract yeah. situation, like – What's that scale looking like? Where are we at on that meter? I mean, is I he... I'm really interested to see what they do. Because they went all in with a lot of the things that they did. And they're not there. They're 4-4, four and four and it's kind of going like this right now. Lose to the Steelers, and then OBJ. I was, saying, I was saying to somebody today, what an incredible career creator for Odell Beckham, where he was like an unquestioned top five star in the NFL his first three years in the league. He's getting shoes named after him by Nike. Now he's essentially irrelevant. He, what a guy. Someone, someone posted like well, a highlight tape, and it was just a sad face. And it was, it was exactly what Banks was talking about with the Jamar Chase plays. Like, caught a slant on the, like, the right sideline, fucking planted and was gone. And it was like, yeah, that's the Jamar Chase play. But it was just like, guy, yeah, guy that's, that's, un- unbelievable. Unbelievable. And now tells you guys just run unbelievable slants. It's so yeah. crazy. Like, what was it, Odell's – maybe his rookie year, maybe his second year, played us. Yeah. And the Giants could not move the football whatsoever. And in the second half, he beat Jimmy Smith on two slants for was two long one? touchdowns, and that was the entire game. It was very Darius Haywood Bay versus Miami. Yeah, and, like, one was with, like, under two minutes left or three minutes left or something like that. Yeah, it was just like, oh, we were in control of this game. Classic Baltimore defense game where it's like, yeah, it's within one score, but we're not really – Nothing's really going to happen here. And then Odell Beckham happens. Like, oh, like shit. 80-yard slant took it 75 yards. Yeah. Two other quick pieces of Ravens news before we get to the preview. Chris, Re- Chris Westry, good Lord, um, going to be set to return here now in a few weeks. Quarterback depth, potential, some, some more reinforcements in that area. Never bad. Hope he comes back and is productive. I don't think there's much more to say. And then Malik Harrison, what a situation. Straight bullet. Um, obviously seems like he's going to be okay and out for a little bit, but that's, that's never what you want to hear that um, coming out. So hopefully he's fine and uh, comes back, but two quick pieces of news there. Uh, Ravens Vikings, interesting game. You, you ripped off Kirk Cousins stats earlier, Eric, for a guy that just is seemingly never impressive when you watch him. Not horrible. He, I mean, I got him right here. He's he, completing 69% of his passes on the note. Oh. 1953 yards. He's averaging 289 yards a game. The big thing is the 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's only been sacked 10 times. He's playing well. Yeah. He's playing play, really play. I mean, he's playing very – again, if, if he's not on primetime, he's going to play very well. If he's on primetime, I think what they say was 7-18 and 18 in primetime games, and mm-hmm. obviously a lot of those were – 
you know, in Raul John in the late season, late season matchups. But I mean, he's, he's slinging it around and he's got two really good wide receivers. I, I think that that one, two com- combination is it's, it's gotta be one of the best in football. I, I think Jefferson and Thielen are very, very good. And when Dalvin cook is healthy, he's arguably one of the best running backs in football. It's just a big, if he's healthy. Yep. They, they come off a 20 to 16 loss to Cooper rush and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Coop. Coop. Uh, yeah, the, you know, the Neil and Jefferson combination is certainly something to, uh, to keep an eye on there. Just to go through their schedule, loss to the Bengals, loss to the Cardinals, beat the Seahawks, loss to the Browns, beat the Lions, beat the Panthers, lost to the Cowboys. They really haven't played anything but a close game. Three points, one point, 13, seven, two, six, four. So they're in every single game. I don't think – this will be any different. I think that Minnesota has the ability to do some things, you know, with, with the two receipt, with the two guys on the outside and with cook, they have enough weapons offensively that it, if cousins is anywhere near competent, they, they're going to have the ability to, I think, move the ball decently against the Ravens. I will say this is John Harbaugh coming off a bye. Just doesn't feel like the Ravens are going to Great point. Just as well. Yeah. It might be close. Just- he, he doesn't lose coming off the bye. Yeah. And it's weird though, with all the close games that they've played, that the Vikings, I think we may have talked about it at you know Jimmy's on Friday or, or at some point the last couple of weeks. I can't think of a team I've seen less when it comes to red zone or just highlights or whatever it might be. I don't think I've seen a team less than the Minnesota Vikings. Like I've forgotten they've completely existed. So um, you look at those numbers and like you said, they look like they're right there in every game. They're not doing anything that's going to blow you out of the water, but they've got guys that you got to be you know a little bit wary of and. There's some piece of this in terms of like both the quarterback and the style of play and, and some of the pieces they have that like reminds me a little bit of the Colts three, four weeks ago where it's like, hey, this is a team we should be. We should go out there, take care of business, and we should beat them, but we can't just walk in there and expect them to roll over for us. That's a, it, I mean, it's a good point. Again, I, I feel like they're, they're pretty similar teams. Their they're offense, again, I think – I mean, I, I think they're special. Their defense, I know, took a big hit this week with Hunter going on IR. But, I mean, again, they got Eric Hendricks. They got Harrison Smith. They got – who is it? What's his name? Xavier Woods. Like they, they're, fi- they're, they're fine players. Yeah, um, Michael Pierce. Michael he's Pierce. He's coming back. Yeah, people forget. Um, Sheldon Richardson, I forgot he's on that team too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I – if, if the game was in Minnesota, I'd say, like, I don't know, you know, even with the Ravens coming off the bye – um, it may be a tough one, but they, I mean, Kirk is also, again, we, like we talked about with, um, with Carson Wentz, if you get in Kirk's face and you, you get to him, obviously 10 sacks this season is not a lot, but if you can get to him and, and make him move off the, the, the spot and get him move, moving around in the pocket, he'll make some dumb throws and he will absolutely try and gift you one. And so, I mean, that, that's always obviously something to keep an eye on and, you know, this may be right for a Marlin, Marlin pick game or something like that. Feels like a game that the Ravens hopefully can use defensively to get back on track after a couple of weeks ago. But as you said, it's, it's going to take the effort um, and, and getting pressure on Cousins. I think, as you said, with a clean pocket, the guy can look very, very good. And we've seen that. I mean, the, the Minnesota, their trajectory with him as the quarterback has been so interesting because it feels like, at times, they're on the verge of breaking maybe into the teams that are Super Bowl contenders. And he just always seems to be the, you know, the scapegoat for everything that goes wrong with them to a certain extent. 
Um, I can't say I watch enough of the Vikings week to week this year. Banks, you make a great point. I think we talked about it a little before the show too. They were on primetime on Sunday night. Other than that, they're just not on. It doesn't feel like they've really made it. Like every team has storylines or you hear about them week to week. Like it just feels like the Vikings kind of play and then they play again and then they play again and we don't talk about it at all. Yeah, but what are their you're, – you're absolutely right. I didn't think about that either. Like what is their storyline? What is their – they've had no drama. They've had no – I don't know. It's, it's the, almost like they don't exist. The biggest one they had was that kick to beat Detroit with like the 55-yard or whatever to beat, yeah, to beat but, Detroit. Yeah, you usurped by JT. Well, so. yeah, but, but it was like that was the Dan Campbell crying game. And then the next week was when you had um, – you had the uh, – they had the good game against Carolina in the overtime. But, again, it's like it's – That was another classic, like, red zone game where there's all these games circulating, and next thing you know, oh, shit, it's 415, and, and the Vikings are lining up still going. five yard. Mm-hmm. And they kick it, and it's like, oh, well, I guess that game happened, and I guess the Vikings just won it. They've also – they've got a gauntlet schedule here. They could fall out of this, I feel like, very quick. At Baltimore, at Chargers versus Green Bay. It's a, so yeah, like, it's a huge, it's a huge three-game stretch. I mean, it's a huge three-game stretch for their season. They are on, on – for the Football Outsiders DVOA, which is like a, an analytic rating that rates these teams for a variety of things, they are 11th in the league, fourth in defensive DVOA, which is very, very good. So, defensively, going to potentially pose some problems. Yeah, it's funny. Their biggest storyline as a team is whether Dalvin Cook is healthy every week from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it's like, is <laughs> it's like it, and who has and, Madison and, this week? Does or? anyone have Alexander Madison? Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason I've thought about the Vikings all year. It's such a weird thing. You like think to preview a team, and I most of these teams we've watched like during the year. And I when we were jumping on to start the pod, I was thinking like, okay, like what are my sort of just like initial impressions of watching the Vikings throughout the year. And then I was like, man, I've just not seen the Vikings a lot this no. year at all. Uh, and like, they used to always be a team that I would try and pay attention to when they had digs and guys like that. Like I would love watching digs. I used to love watching Peterson, like going back to the EJ Henderson days. Like I would always like go out of my way to be like, Oh, let me, let me see what the Vikings did today. You know, it's like, they always have some Jeff Dugan. They always have some Maryland player on the team. Um, Jeff but, Dugan, what a call yeah, that talk is. about a name drop. Um, but yeah, now it's just, Kind of nothing. Very blah, bland. It's, it, it's going to be a lot of purple. We'll say that. It's going to be a lot of purple on the field this week. All the purple. It's going to be all the purple. The you only mean, two purple teams, I think, in the league. Yeah, they, uh, yeah they're just, they're just kind of nondescript. But as you said, you know, they're going to they're gonna be involved. They're giving, up, they're giving up 367 yards a game defensively. Um, so in total defense, that ranks them near the bottom, down with the Baltimore Ravens. And um, so, you know, interesting that the analytic metrics rate them a little way better than the yards per game, averaging 394 yards per game on the offensive side. So this is an interesting game. This is a, this is a, this is a game where I just, I just don't have a ton of feel for it. And I feel bad saying that because it's just – you just haven't watched a ton of them. But, um, yeah, I think RDT make a great point. If the Ravens can get pressure on Kirk Cousins, I think we've seen historically that is the thing that gets him into trouble – and they've got to do a better job containing Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen than they did with Jamar Chase and the rest of the guys in the Bengals. I mean, that's kind of the worry that you see. They, they have weapons. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're, you, you could be in for another Jamar Chase-like game with Jefferson or, or Thielen. Like, that's the thing. They have two. They're kind of like the Bengals where they, they don't really have that. Their third receiver isn't – they don't have the Tyler Boyd, um, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. But, again, 
I, I think Thielen and Jefferson are, are very, very good players. It's, it's a scary matchup for, for the secondary. We'll say that. Very much so. The uh, Ravens and Vikings have played six times all time. The series is three to three. So this is a big game seven. Uh, wow. There have been some, some significant games in the mix there. Obviously, they play every four years. I think everybody remembers the snow game, all-time Ravens game. I think it's the wildest football game I've ever watched in my life. Um, we also lost in 2009. I think I took this amongst my um, most devastating losses or sneaky big losses or whatever. The uh, Brett Favre, Joe Flacco showdown uh, with Steven Hauschka missing the uh, field goal at the end. Um, and we also beat them on Christmas Day in 2005 um, to move to six and nine. So, some Viking stats that go against the perceived weaponry they have offensively. They're 18th in points per game, 14th in yards per play, 21st in expected points added per play. I know that's a stat you guys all look at. And they're 30th in points scored in the fourth quarter. So when the game gets tight, they don't do anything. <laughs> they just, And that's like probably why they've lost a lot of close games. So they, you know, it, it clearly hasn't all come together. And I'm sure some of that, is the Dalvin Cook kind of in and out of the lineup situation when you have so much of what you do based on him. But um, Ravens are five-and-a-half-point favorites, which feels right to me. Feels right, right in the middle. Yeah, I've seen it as high as six. I think the the, the uh, spread is kind of drifting in the Ravens' direction. So that's that's a sign that Vegas has some confidence in the Ravens, um, I, not just winning but covering. So I think, I think that I think, number's right where it should be. Yeah, I think the clear thing you want to see from, from a Ravens fan perspective is you need a bounce-back performance from this defense, especially in the secondary. They've they, got to start to make some strides. The, statistically, I think yards-wise, they're last in the league, past defense. There's just been some games. They've just had too many of those games where sometimes games just get away from you on both sides of the ball where it just becomes mayhem and you just try to survive. Um, and that can kind of take a toll on your statistics. But um, – and a couple overtime games too. That I guess that adds to the numbers, but um, yeah, it's uh, they got to turn around. No question about it. The offensively was not the problem a couple Sundays ago. Uh, predictions for this game, RDT. I will go thirty-four, thirty Ravens. When- I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go 24-20, Ravens. I was going to go 30-20, to Baltimore, to win. So, there you go. I think I've got the most conservative pick, which is a rarity here. Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, and Shannon Spake on the call on Fox as the Fox return comes to the bank for the first time this year. The original piss dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, big game this weekend. Obviously, we'll do the instant analysis post-game. On Sunday, um, we'll see how involved I am as I will not be watching much of the Ravens game because I will be in College Park, Maryland. I may be doing that from uh, the uh, instant analysis from the crab bat. We'll see. Ah, and what I was going to say, speaking of College Park, Maryland, college basketball is back, back. Maryland with an exhibition on Friday, home opener next Tuesday. Um, Look, I'm around this every single day, so – I will allow you guys to opine about what you're expecting from this Maryland Terrapins men's basketball season, which under the radar Terps once again, ranked in the top 25 to start, and we'll see how people perceive them throughout the year. 
um, with a fan base that kind of goes a very up and down on the squad. So thoughts on the Terps as they enter another year here where they're trying to, as Mark Turgeon said in the preseason, take the next step. Maybe this is something with age. Maybe it's just the stage of my life that I'm at. Maybe it's just where I'm at with the Mark Turgeon experience, whatever you want to call it. I've stopped trying to go into seasons with expectations regarding the Terps and just watch games and then perceive things from there. So I'll be honest, I haven't done a ton of research. I know that they've, they've brought in a ton of transfers. They've got the kid from Georgetown. Don't want to botch a name, so I'll let you take care of that. That's your specialty. Um, yeah, I, I know that they, they're ranked, you know, top 25. There's some people predicting for them to, to make a big splash and, and are the sleepers potentially. Um, I'm excited to see. I mean, Eric Ayala has been around for, seems like, since the Gary days almost. I mean, it's, he's been around forever. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's college hoops. It's, it's great. It's a long process. Historically, we have great Novembers, Decembers. Um, and the last couple of years, you got to give credit where Turgeon, I think, for the first time since he's been here, has actually had teams play better down the stretch than he did at the beginning. Um, so I have to give him his credit where it's due there. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see all these fresh faces in there because they're it's kind of a mixing pot. Um, and they've had all summer that you've kind of seen behind the scenes to kind of gel and get together and see what pieces they have. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they have. I mean, I, I'm echoing everything Brian's saying. Like, there, there's no reason for me to get my hopes up again for another second-round disappointment, something like that. Um, I, it's I so am, far away, though. It really is. And, and like you said, November and December are going to be very fun. It's going to be it's going to be awesome to watch Fats and, and some of these new guys, you know, come in and, and show us what they have and, and, you know, why they came to Maryland. Again, I'm not going to say his name. We'll call him Diamond Stone Jr. Kind of excited to see him. Kudus Wahab. There he is. Look, it looks identical to, to Diamond. Same number, too, right? 33? That has to be on purpose. It has to be. Can't say I know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, the way that when the, with the season ending in the tournament like he did last year and all of the back and forth with Turgeon, the, I mean, it, it seemed like the, 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 the Twitter crowd went back and forth for a week after Turgeon. And – you know, what do you do? Do you fire him? Do you get rid of him? Do you, do you let him go? And then there was a rumor, all the rumors, whatever. Um, I, I, I am just excited to have college basketball back. I'm excited, like Banks said, Ayala, who has turned into, a, like, I think a very good player and one of the, one of the most likable Maryland players. I yeah. mean, I think Maryland has, they've always had likable players, but he's, he just seems like a very nice, awesome, like good basketball player too. Um, and again, I'm just I'm looking over the the lineup right now. I know like Dante Scott's lost how many pounds? Like he's dropped a decent amount of weight, right? Yeah, he yeah from his freshman year. Yeah, excited to see you know him and and what he can do. And you know again, just see if this is the year again they can take another step. I know it sucks the 2020 season we lost it with with everything that happened, and that seemed to be the year that something was going to happen. And now we see if this can be a team that uh that can do something. I'll say that this this roster as a whole just has some sweet nomenclature. The names themselves, you got Fats Russell, Akeem Hart's always been a cool name. You've literally got a guy whose name is Aiden McCool. I mean, come on. on extraordinaire. Yeah, Marcus Dockery, another great name. Ike Cornish, freshman. He's, you know, supposed to be one of the big recruits coming in. So, I don't know. There's something to be said about that. This guy Pavlo from the Ukraine, 
great name. Another Ukrainian. Terps have had success with Ukraine in the past. Alex mm-hmm. Len. Yeah, I, I think that it's a very interesting Maryland team in the sense that there's some potential for big-time success, but not a ton of preseason expectations, which is interesting because in those way too early rankings when it was possible that Wiggins and Morsell, all these guys come back, they were in the they were fourth, then sixth, then eighth, and now they're more in like twenty-two to thirty, you know, depending on where you look. It's a roster that has some depth to it, maybe more depth than Mark Turgeon's had on a lot of these teams. If even if you go back to twenty twenty, they really played six guys. Like it was Cowan, Sticks, Dante Scott, Eric Isle, Aaron Wiggins, Daryl Morsell. That was kind of the team. I mean, you had some other guys that would play, like Hart played every once in a while. Sorrell Smith played every once in a while. Reese Mona played every once in a while. But that team was essentially six deep. They're going to play a lot more guys this year. Um, and the starting lineup is going to fit together pretty easily. That's at the one. Ayala at the two. Hakeem Hart, who just continues to get bigger every year, which is bizarre. He continues to grow. I don't know. You guys, I'm looking at the roster right now. I literally was looking at that right when you were saying that. Six foot eight. Where did and, that come from? And he's stronger. He'll play the three. Dante slides away from playing it as an undersized five to play the four. And then Q, they have a legitimate big man to match up against a, a big 10 that with no Luca Garza, but has Hunter Dickinson and Kofi Coburn and a lot of legit, legit centers. You needed that guy to be there. And then they have some intriguing pieces on the bench. Javier Green's a guy that's played a lot of basketball. He's like 24 years old. Coming over from Old Dominion, he's going to kind of fill the Darren Morsell role as a defensive stopper. They love Julian Reese. Love Julian Reese, freshman out of Baltimore, whose sister Angel is on the women's team, was like a top five recruit for the women's team. He is going to back up Q at the five, and they think he's got a lot of long-term potential. And then Ian Martinez is a guy that kind of got lost in the transfer shuffle with Q and, and Fats Russell. By the way, you guys just call him Q. I think that's what most people are going to do. For Mr. Wahab, will do. Um, who's kind of an electric um, combo guard? I think he's going to get minutes at the one and the two, uh, and can jump. and 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 they like him. They've liked him since he's gotten here. He was a four star recruit out of California. The first, the only, the first Division One basketball player from Costa Rica to ever play in a Power Five school. So <laughs> really, that's kind of surprising. Um, and then James Graham the third is a guy that came in and is was a was a highly tad, pretty highly tad recruit. Came in in this the second semester last year just couldn't get on the floor. He was 17 years old. He's the youngest player in college basketball. He will now be back and we'll kind of slide into that three, four type of range. They have a lot of guys that are going to play and then Pavlo as well. So that's something be, that we've, we've missed that the last handful of years. Yeah, I would and say. And especially when you get into the grind of it, you're going to want to maybe shorten the rotation. But as we've seen these teams that at least when you looked at the teams that made deep runs last year, Baylor, Gonzaga, you know, a lot of these teams had a lot of pieces they could go to throughout the course of a game. And these Maryland teams that have been really, really good, at least the past like two years, the, you know, the Bruno team that was lost to LSU and then the sticks Callen team the next year didn't really necessarily have the depth to do a lot of different things. Um, I think Mark Turgeon did a great job coaching the team last year. I think he's got more things to work with this year and they, ha- they should have the ability to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. And maybe if it comes together, you think about a guy like Fats Russell really had to score Rhode Island. If he becomes more like what Mike Smith did for Michigan last year, where you're more of a facilitator now that you don't have to do everything for your team, I think that could be a formula. And Eric Ayala is a, you know, 
can score. I mean, he can score. So it's an intriguing team. I'm fascinated to watch them. As you guys said, you guys are obviously more on the outside than I am. You're like, don't really want to make expectations. You go through. It's interesting because we know a lot about a lot of these individual pieces, have no clue how they all fit together. Zero idea. Think about it. You're going to have Fats and Q who are going to make huge minutes, big parts, never, never played with these guys. Ayala is going to be in a different role than he's been in before. Dante Scott is going to – there's going to be more expected of him. He's no longer behind the Wiggins and the Morcells and, and all these guys where he can kind of take a back seat. He's going to have to become potentially an all-Big Ten type of player for Maryland to go where they want to go. Um, weird non-conference schedule in the sense that uh, they once again get screwed and get don't get a high-profile team on the ACC Big Ten Challenge and get West Wonder Virginia. Wonder why. And get Virginia Tech. Who's good? Virginia Tech is a, you know, a, a borderline top 25 team to start the year. But it will be nice for that to give – it makes no sense that Maryland just continues to not get juicy matchups at home in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It creates an environment in a moment. Obviously, the ACC. They don't want the Terps going down to Tobacco Road. They just don't well, want not it. even – they don't want that. They don't want anybody from Tobacco Road coming up to play the Terps. It's horrible. Yeah. It's just a missed opportunity in so many levels. It, and there's tons of politics, I'm sure, that goes on behind the scenes that I have no idea about. But it's insane. It makes no sense. So, it's Virginia Tech. Terps play at Barclays against Florida in what's a good game and in a pretty good tournament in the Bahamas as Mississippi State, Louisville, Richmond. So, all three of those teams could be NCAA tournament teams. It would be so cool to see Maryland, like you said, go down to Tobacco Road and play any of those teams or them to come back. Like They did they the could... one year with North Carolina when they were preseason in the top mm-hmm. five with Diamond And they lost in a game that was an absolute barn burner in the first half. Melo had like a layup that he missed late in the second half, I think. And he like... Well, he crossed up. The guy's name is escaping me. Crossed up. Uh, was it Marcus Carr? I can't remember. Crossed I remember. up. I just first. remember him in the stands or something. Like, like he fell into the first row. I think that's how the game ended, maybe. They were down a little bit by the end. It, wasn't, it didn't like go down in the final seconds. And then it's a Big Ten that's once again going to be really good. Somehow they don't get Hunter Dickinson at home, which is also another just absolute miss. That would have been a raucous environment with that kid coming back to College Park. They don't get it. Um, but, yeah, it's a Big Ten that I don't think has, like, a clear, clear favorite. Illinois is going to be very good. Michigan's going to be very good. Purdue's going to be very good. People love Purdue this year. Um, and then, Tom, you don't count out a guy like Tom. So, and Ohio State's got a lot of talent. So, Who's the uh, big white guy in Purdue this year? Is there a harm still? Yeah, his name's Zach Eady. Um, he's a Canadian. 7-3. He was very good in the in – the, um, the I imagine they've just got these smokestacks and, and – West Lafayette, where they've just got these people with those uh, tongs and stuff, whatever mm-hmm. the – Yeah, they're I mean, just so very visual that I'm doing here. Um, and they're just concocting and creating these humans that are seven foot one and blonde and skinny as shit a lot of times. Ivan Drago lookalikes? Yeah, but not, not, not running not on a Jack, treadmill like... and punching machines with so this ridiculous – This kid's Canadian. Know, this kid's Canadian. Um, he does not look like Harms and those guys. Um, he's not a blonde hair, but he's good. He's good. He might be better than all of those guys. Um, they're good. Jaden Ivy, they they've got some they've got some guys that can play. Are they? Is he this guy you're describing? Is he going to get the "you are ugly" chance from the Spinny faithful? <laughs> is he in that bucket? I mean, probably. 
I think I think <laughs> I, I think if you look like Brad Pitt, Nate still give him the "You Are Ugly" chant. <laughs> okay, fair. So I'm sure college <laughs> College Park's finest uh, will be absolutely all over him. Uh, Terps play a lot of big games, by the way, just for people listening, because I I've got to be a salesman here for my employer. Terps play a lot of big games on Sunday afternoons in February and March, which I feel like is easy for people to get to, easier for people to get to than the the night games on like a Wednesday. So people should make sure to come out to Xfinity Center on a, on a Sunday afternoon, watch the Terps. Uh, you guys not, are cooking up some pretty cool promotions, right? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. To be revealed Especially for you, for you student listeners. For you student listeners, yes. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. The, the, the men's, Eyeball emoji. Men's basketball brain trust has some things in the works here um, that, as Bank said, you should, be, you should be on the lookout for. Uh, I don't know if, Maryland we get Purdue at home, though. So we, this kid may be – yeah, we don't have Purdue at home. Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, Michigan State, Indiana, Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin all come to College Park this year. By the way, Nate Nate Britt, the guy who uh, Mello crossed up. Wow, Nate Britt. I forgot that. That that cross up is filthy, too. I'm watching it. I I thought you were saying Kenny Britt. I believe Nate Britt is is a Gonzaga guy, I think. That sounds right. Yeah, Oak Hill, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, filthy, filthy cross up. Somehow I this mean, vine Mello, is M- Mello was freaking awesome. This vine is still up on the Sports Illustrated article. It has two two hundred forty thousand loops. It was. I mean, fine. Mello, was, Mello was sweet. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun dish at the Robert Carter. Um, speaking of speaking of Maryland, that will allow us to jump into our starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. My glasses, my glasses are somewhere. Oh, here they are. Oh. There they are. Fed Thrill, 20% off. Use the promo code X52. It, it, you know, it, it's getting colder, but the sun is staying out. So get your Fed Thrill sunglasses. No better time to have them than for a good tailgate. One o'clock game. The one o'clock games are back for Baltimore Ravens. So use the promo code. Thanks always to Fed Thrill for their support. All right. In honor of Maryland basketball, we are doing, as we did for the Orioles, as we did for the Ravens, it feels only right to do a draft of random Maryland men's basketball players. Hopefully this is applicable to a lot of the listenership from Baltimore who either grew up watching Maryland or went to Maryland around here. Um, I have the first pick. Banks has the second picks. The two Maryland grads get the first two picks. And then RDT, you, in your Jurassic Park shirt, I have sitting here – a college park shirt. Oh, the same logo. There we go. There you go. Uh, you have the third pick. So I will start it off. And there's a lot of different ways I could have gone here. Um, and I honestly, uh, this, this pick gives me some feelings of pressure um, going through here. But I'm going to take a guy that is one of the more weird, I think, Maryland f- basketball fascinations. And I'm going to take Jinsu Choi. Jinsu Choi was the people thought he was going to be the Korean Durant. He was an atrocious <laughs> basketball player. He's an atrocious basketball player. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Was how do you was, really feel? <laughs> well, not as good as people thought he might be able to be. But I think it's because no one had any tape on him and they were just watching him like in gyms, just like stroke threes at like six nine. Um, I think he played 21 games or something as a freshman. Um, 
it just such a weird, just such a weird where you have a foreign guy that you think might be good. And it was just, it was so rare to have a guy from Korea uh, that can maybe play major division one basketball. Um, and I think he's, I think he is someone that will all, always live in Maryland fans minds at a certain age and a certain time. Um, and there's lots of jokes made about him even till now when Maryland recruits, um, when Maryland recruits uh, foreign players. So I'm taking Jin Soo Choi. Just a gangly guy. Just never looked like he had control of his limbs when he was on the court. I was probably going to go that direction if I had the first pick and you didn't take him. I was probably taking him second. So it's, it's, it's a good pick. I mean, I was on campus when he came. You're absolutely correct. It was all this buzz. Because I think we struck gold with Gravis from a non-traditional basketball country who, you know, he came to America and played at one of these prep schools. And so I think we had this fascination, you know, Dirk Nowitzki was lighting up the NBA and this whole, um, you know, foreign influence on hoops was, was kind of the, the, the hot thing. So we thought we had struck gold with this guy and we did not. He also scored 20, I, he scored like 20 points in an exhibition game. Yeah. Um, and his first game where it's like, oh, my God, this guy. Let me see if I can find the – I'm looking him up. He was against Northwood University, scored 20 points, and <laughs> Maryland fans were cheering his name by the end of the game. It's incredible <laughs> that he was on the Vasquez team that won the AC title. Like, it's amazing he's on that team. Like, he is in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Incredible. Uh also went to the South Kent School, who just produced a Maryland soccer player. He's very good named Joshua Bulba. Uh, all right, Banks, you have the second pick. I'm going in a very similar direction here. The, the year after, we recruited Hawk Paulson, McCord yes. Paulson, yep. from Iceland, six foot six, forward. Uh, was supposed to be lights out from three. I think he was very similar where he got those minutes in those November, December games against Scrubs and would come in and hit a couple threes, and all the fans would go nuts. And this is in that point in time, we had all these international players, and there's all these these students would bring in flags from the respective countries and wave them around, and then they'd be their little fan clubs for those guys. And I have, to me, that's just kind of guys off the bench that really weren't truly impact guys whatsoever, but like they just built these little cult followings. To me, that's like peak random Maryland basketball guy. Like, oh, remember that guy? Remember Hawk Boston? You just have a laugh about Hawk Boston. Played in 32 games in 2010-2011. Average yeah. 0.8 points a game. Yeah. 10 minutes a game. So, he, I mean, he, he was somewhat of a contributor on a not-so-great team. He was absolutely a fascination. He was the Iceland stuff before the Iceland stuff became a thing with the soccer. Yeah, and then he was gone. But, he, yeah, he came over to America and came from Mont Verde Academy. Was that Vermont? Mount Verde, I believe, is in Florida. That is not Vermont. Uh, but oh. that's a – he was a stacked. It was on like a stacked high school team, and uh, kind of like Grievous, where he was just kind of overshadowed by some guys. But like, oh, this guy in the right situation with some good talent around him, he can be our guy that knocks down threes from the wing. And yeah, he did that, you know, a few times. But let's say he he made where's the three points? He made twelve threes. Sweet, twelve twenty nine. Pretty good actually. And then he was gone. Then he was gone. One year. He was gone. Yeah. RDT? You have two. By the way, I think he still has a professional career going. He's only 29, so. I am going with a guy who I've competed against a couple times. 
And uh, this is like like you were talking about banks, where like a guy almost gets like a cult following. Oh, this and... was clearly going to be your pick, by the way. Every day, this is going exactly how I thought it was going to go. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Varun Ramp. Yeah, gotta go, Varun. Gotta go, Varun. Um, talk about just like an like. I've never seen someone his height be like. Well, he's five nine, but watching someone five nine dunk like in real life or in like a basketball game when we played up up at the River Hill Gym is insane because he's like legitimately my height, close to it. Um, and yeah, he came from where Trinity, I think it was, and then came on and became like a pretty good. I mean, he he played decent minutes. He he played in what is it, twenty one games the second year, twenty six games his his third year. I mean, he um, made the play that beat Valparaiso. In I the was going to say, tournament. that was the first game, the first game of the tournament, right? Yep. Smacked it. Was it, he smacked it right out of the guy's hands when he was going up with it or whatever. He, and he's, I mean, he was one of those, like, the gritty, hard nose. He, he, he could lock up a guy. He, he's, I mean, he's also. He's your guy when your, your guard gets two fouls midway through the first half. You throw him in there and you just try to, you just try to survive as long as you can without putting putting your starter back in and you're thankful for just keeping the score at what it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, on the you're, other not side. Getting, you're not getting anything out of him. So it's four on five offensively, but yeah, like on the defensive end, he could, he could lock up a point guard. Like he was, he's just a, he's a super smart guy. Like he, yeah, you put him in on a press too. And, oh, and he absolutely. can be the guy who takes the foul if need yeah. be. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, but yeah, again, he's, he was one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Um, and now like, I remember in, in high school, his GPA was like a 4-3 something. It was one of those, like, he had above a 4-0 because fake, of all the – Fake numbers. <laughs> like, insane. Like, just in, in ridiculous numbers. Um, but I know he was also doing a lot of stuff with, like, COVID research. He's a – some sort of doctor now. And He was – I can't remember. He was doing – he was on the side of his normal day job. He was, like, helping develop, like – ways i don't know i i we it's, interviewed for here the turtle about it and it's totally slipped my mind and i feel bad because it's a very worthy cause what he's doing. oh ab- absolutely uh, he won the big 10 medal of honor which is like the highest honor you can win as a <laughs> it's insane yeah like thank you for your service yeah yeah seriously here so um yeah like i'm looking very much Mel- a fan, very much a fan favorite he's mellow trimble said varun's probably the smartest guy on the team i don't think there was ever a smartest he's been considered one of maryland's smartest uh team smartest players ever with a 399 gpa in neurology and phys and Three nine nine, what a loser! Get a four right. now. He's here. You go. He's known for his grit, determination, and perseverance in both athletics and uh, academics. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. And, and he, I think they said at one point he was looking to go over and play uh, for the Indian national team. But yeah, Varun, I, I loved watching him on the court because I knew him personally, and he's a damn good, damn good player. I thought it was always going to be Varun. I had to go Varun. Yeah. Alrighty, and. Number two, hold on, let me pull up my uh, – I'm going with a guy that maybe not that many people have, have know about. This is I'm – go, I'm going with Brian Maggot. Super random. I grew up two doors down from him. He's my dad's best friend. <laughs> Played at Maryland from 75, 76, and then 76, 77. <laughs> How are you then, taking this now? Because I have to. He's a listener. How do you know? He's a podcast. You're terrible at this. He, he, he would have set every uh, three-point shooting record if, if he would have stayed at Maryland. There was no, there was no three-point three line. At that? No, yeah. no, no. That's another thing. There was no three-point line. 
Um, that is such a good, like, I'm retired from playing basketball. This is a thing I can say. Like, if they had the three-point line, I would have I'm telling you, three, <laughs> there are articles about it. There's everything. He used to go down to – he awesome. would go on away teams, away games. He would tell the crowd to come out and put dollar bills anywhere on the court. And if he made them, he got to keep it. And if he missed, he would, he would give back double. And they said at Duke one day he walked out – he walked away like 60 bucks richer. Like, they were like – and because, again, back in the 70s, you could do that. Now, obviously, like, that player would be arrested and, like, would never be allowed to play basketball again <laughs> or, like, accepting gifts and shit like that. But uh, all-time leading score in uh, Blair history, too, which has had some pretty good uh, – Oh, Montgomery Blair. Yeah. So, uh, he set a, quite, a, quite a couple – quite a few records. So, yeah, that's uh, – he, he's the man. Had to go, had to go Brian. Mike. Well, a personal shout-out. Two of them, back-to-back. I thought the pick. He goes with second. Banks. I got to take Will Bowers. Got to do it. He was never going to last long in this. Um, Seven foot one. I think he was supposed to be one of those recruits that you kind of get after winning a national title that kind of elevate and maintain your program at a high level. And he just wasn't quite that. But came off the bench for a lot of years and was a bit of a character on Twitter for a few years. And I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. Did did we know if that was him or that like – Deep in the Maryland forums, too, was a bit of a character as well. Yeah. No, it's, it was definitely him. He, uh, That's when he worked at Baseball like, Factory before I did. I didn't know he worked there. but Yeah, I would see his comments on, like, in, like, the database on players and stuff that he graded. Well, because, like, you know how, like, you know how there was, like, Will Bowers was also, like, Brett Kiesel's beard Twitter account. And, like, that was when we had, like, Phil Werrell and all that. And it was like, I never knew if any of Phil Werrell. Yeah, like, you remember. Like, I checked to see if that count still existed, actually, a couple weeks ago. For some reason, it popped in my head. And I was like, I wonder if Phil Werrell Phil Werrell, yeah. Still I just – Still I never popping knew. along in comedy Twitter. Just retweeting. Is he? And, I forgot all about Yeah, that. it's still there. That account is still there. Of course it is. Is it, is it still, like, the same recycled kind of cheesy jokes at this point? Phil Werrell – oh, no, maybe it's not there. I thought I saw it. Maybe I may have just made that up. He, Will Bowers participated in the Jordan Capital Classic blue-white game at MCI Center. No, Phil Werrell, <laughs> 1.9 million followers. Just this tweet is just somebody just falling off of like a shark, a shark bull. This is the first tweet. I'm sure this is such bad radio. Hell of a cap. Blocker, blocker charge. Like that is, I mean, Phil Werrell, just an absolute joke. What an account. <laughs> funny tweets daily um yeah you know. will bowers is a good pick there, there there was like the will bowers and then a lot of people who can't get taken in this draft like in those recruiting classes like you know the the recruiting class four is like canter medley and gilchrist and mccray and all those guys and then you had the the one the next year with bowers that had like mike jones and all people that aren't random enough to be taken in this draft. But Will Bowers is definitely is, along with another person who's on my board that was in that same class. But I will not take him here. Um, I am going to take Roddy Peters. Roddy. Roddy Peters, Roddy okay. Peters was Mellow Trimble before Mellow Trimble. Supposed to be the savior point guard coming out of a local, um, local high school, uh, fringy, like four-and-a-half-star type of recruit where he's sort of trending to maybe being a five-star one ACC rookie of the week. And there was an amazing YouTube video that I can't find anymore where there's a song that was like, I'm ACC rookie of the week. I'm Roddy Peters. Totally petered out. <laughs> totally petered out. Left. Mellow came and everyone forgot about the bust that was Roddy Peters. South and Florida? 
ended up at South Florida and then Nichols State and I believe played in an NCAA tournament, maybe. Or at least was like on TV at one point. And I was like, oh my God, Roddy yeah. went to Suitland, averaged 19.7 points a game at Nichols State. Unbelievable. So and good for him. Ended up having a um ended up having a successful season in college. Good for him. But he was supposed to be a bit of a savior. Yeah. Uh, no, they lost to the conference tournament. Whatever. Um, was supposed to be a bit of a savior. Was not at all. Average 4.1 points. Shot it 11% from three. Not, not was he a straight-up Turgeon recruit? Because yeah. he does not seem like – Yeah. Yes, but I think he'd like like, been either. Yeah, no, he was a straight-up Turgeon recruit. No, he was – I mean, a weird he was one. like the 45th-ranked player in the country or something like that. He was supposed to be very, very good. He just never seemed like, you know, a, a, tar- a Turgeon target. Yeah. A TT, as we call him. Yeah. So, Roddy Peters, a lot of expectations, played one season, and um, it kind of petered out. Kind of petered out from there. I get it. Um, oh, man. I'm going to go with Earl Badu. Oh. I'm going to go with Earl Badu with the seventh pick. Earl Badu, legendarily um, – was sort of like a, you know, the, the beloved walk-on of the 2002 national championship team, a Baltimore native. Um, there is like an amazing clip, amazing clip of the last game at Coalfield house where he, Kenny Smith is calling the game. Bizarrely is calling like an ACC Sunday night hoops game. And Earl Badu gets put on the floor and like scores a bucket. And Kenny Smith is like freaking out in the way that you're like, you can see why he's an amazing guy on inside the NBA where he's just like so into the moment. Earl Badu beloved, uh, tragically passed away though. Um, so have you read that whole piece? Yes. Yes. It's, it was, it was tough to read, but it was, it was very, it was very good. It was very sad. Yeah. Very sad, but yep. it's called the, it's, it's from, um, it's on SB nation. It's titled yes. the last shot. Um, and to give people a summation, not to make this morbid, Earl Badu hit one of the most famous shots in Maryland basketball history. Ten years later, he jumped off a bridge. Very sad story. It's like a the, very depressing article. Like right on 695, wasn't it? I think that's I can't the- remember exactly. It's been so long ago since I read that story. I remember reading it right when it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kenny Smith says, like, that's what college, but yeah, this is, this is, that's an article people should read if they want to know who the Earl would do kind of summates the Earl would do story. So I'll take him beloved player though. When he, I mean, I remember when I was like, I knew he was when I was 10 watching the team, he was just like the, that walk on every team has that walk on. He was that walk on um, banks. Oh, we have connections problems. Once again, oh, we lost once again, him. We've lost them. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite Maryland player ever? I think it's Juan. Yeah, I just. Who's your okay? Not of the non-great ones, like just like your fan favorite guy. Who's like your fan favorite guy? Like not the Gravises or the Wands or the yeah. Or the um, you know who I re- I really liked again from that team. I really liked. I don't know if you could put him in that Chris Wilcox. I loved yeah. like I I remember like I used to lower my hoop down to seven and I would do the like the dunks. And like try and bruise my wrists and bottom of my hands from dunking so hard like he did, and like I loved him. And like he would do the full, he would like bring the ball back, yep, almost like hit his back, and then just throw it down. So and then he would like swing underneath of the hoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He was awesome. He was awesome. Have you, have you, are you back? Yeah, I'm on my, my freaking phone's hotspot now. Wow. Comcast has got to go. <laughs> I know that's a sponsor of your stupid arena, but God damn it. Sorry, the arena's not stupid. The fucking company's stupid. It's a joke. I'm done with it. I'm fucking hashtag done with Comcast. There you have it. You have the eighth pick. <laughs> is, that, is that even my original slot here? Yes. We didn't go over you. We started we talking just talked about favorite about players. It sounded like you were talking. No, I won't say. Um, who did did you take? Who did I you took take last year? Earl Badu. I thought so. Um, who take Hassan Fofana? Yep, that's who I was talking about in the Bauer it, class. It's a great name. It's a great name. He was only there for a year and change. Transferred to Loyola. Honestly, I don't have a lot to add about him. He was a big fella, hefty fella, great name. That's about Sweet. all I got. Super. The Great name, ended up loyal, as you said. The thing I remember about him is they somebody in in a in a in a preview story I read back in the day or or a recruiting profile talked about that he had great feet. It was like the same um, it was the like Akeem Olaj one like has great feet because he played soccer situation. That was something that was said about Hassan Favana. That's just never left my mind. Like, oh, this guy's like got really great feet as a big man. He was not good. He was not good. Um, or at least not not a Maryland that level quality player. Who knows what he's doing now? Who knows? Let's see what he did at Loyola. Just take a quick peek. I mean, big big guy, six ten, six six ten two seventy. That's a big that's a big man. A big dude. So didn't do a ton of Loyola either. Hassan Fafana. Good old Hassan. RDT, you got two. I am going a again, kind of a started his career as like a kind of ended his career like a last guy off the bench, um, on on the team. Obviously, very good, won the NCAA championship, but he's more remembered for his 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 ACC tournament, the free throws. It's Mike Grinnan. Good pick, Mike Grinnan. Uh, I'm looking at it now. His career stats: fifty nine games, point. Point eight points, point eight rebounds, point three assists. But I mean, his 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 claim to fame is the free throws in Greensboro against Duke, and he just strapped up JJ Redick in overtime. Um, again, maybe just the most plain Jane guy you could ever see. Like, there's an amazing a- anecdote in the um, anecdote in the book by Josh Bar, Good Enough to Be Great, which is about the Maryland national championship team, about how. Mike Grant decided between Princeton and Maryland. Yeah, like, like he seems like one of those guys who's like, if he was playing now, it would be like, like that would be the main storyline. Like, oh, he could have been the best player at Princeton and, and had a four or five GPA, or he could sit the bench in Maryland and like, you know, play, play in the Big Ten. And yeah, he's, he was, I loved him because again, he was, he was that guy on the team out of Long Island. Um, just last guy on the bench. That was pretty much it. And then, and then he had his kind of one shining moment in um in uh yeah, the AC tournament the AC final tournament, yeah. So Mike Grinnan, that pick. And my next one, move him off my where is it? I'm off my board. Uh, another local guy, Dino Gregory. Mm. Which I was even like, I don't know, he may be on the I don't know if he was on the 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 border or not. Um, He's a little fringy, but I'll give it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Dino. I thought he was Very awesome. Very likable. 
Yeah, um, I've met him a couple times too. I remember after he graduated, I met him um, at Union Jacks down in um, Columbia. And I remember being like, holy shit, that's Dino Gregory. And like walking over and like buying him a shot and like shooting the shit with him. And like, I think, I think we were either friends on Facebook or Instagram. And I used to hit him up every time we play basketball. Be like, hey, do you want to come play basketball? And he was always like, he had like moved out of the air. I think he lives in like Seattle now. I don't know. Taylor, if you guys have like reached out to him for stuff, I think he lives there. I'm I'm blanking on this story, so I'm gonna look it up as I just talk. His brother just had like a very, um, oh, his brother was brother shot, got shot, but he was say he was like saving the lives of protest. There, it's crazy. I now that you say that, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he lives in Seattle. I don't know if I don't know if Dino also lives in Seattle. He may. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's uh, that was a crazy story. So, yeah, I don't know. He was he was always just one of my. I, I loved watching him. He's a very play. solid player. Very yeah, solid very talent. solid on like those teams that were. They were fun. I mean, they were fun to watch. Here you go, younger brother, former Maryland player, unstable condition after being shot in a heroic attempt. In Sports Illustrated, uh, blah blah blah, saved the lives of countless protesters that gathered near a Seattle police station Sunday night. Hmm. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love. I always loved Dino, and again, he was on those teams with some. I feel like all those whole all those teams were full of these like fringe guys who could kind of go either way. Thanks. I'm gonna take a guy who's probably you put him in a similar bucket as Roddy Peters, except maybe a couple years earlier. I'm gonna take Ash and Panky. Mm. There's a there's a handful of classes the last couple decades of recruits where they all came in together. And they're supposed to be like the next wave, their next big thing, like as a group. And they, more times than not, they haven't really panned out. And Panky's one of the guys that was in class there with, I think, Michael Parker, um, blanking on a couple of them. Hulk Paulson might have been one of the names. Hey, Braxton? Um, no, Braxton was before that. Maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. But, anyways, he, he, Gosh, Frankie's with like James, year. with like James Paget. That, that, that was sort James of Paget, yeah, um, and Jordan Williams actually. Uh, he's the one who panned out, obviously. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, you know, played some sparing minutes in his redshirt freshman year, and then he transferred out, sat out a year, and then he had a great career at Manhattan. He won like the the MAC uh, tournament most outstanding player, and I feel like we saw him in the tournament like two times. You turn on the TV and be like, oh, Ashton Panky, I remember that guy. He had a pretty good career. He made, you know, gone to smaller, potentially greener pastures, you know, depending on how you look at it, and uh, kind of found his niche. I wrote a uh, feature about Ashton Panky for a Maryland game program when I was an intern. Very nice guy. Very nice mm. guy. And he left. Also, also a good name. Yeah, very good name. He, good he would respond. He was on my board. He was a big respond to everyone on Twitter. Like I just remember used to having like conversation with him over Twitter, like early Twitter when when he was at Maryland. Super nice guy. Yeah, very nice guy. Um, all right, I have two here. Okay, I have to my last pick has been set the entire time. I'm gonna take someone that feels a little Dina Gregorish might be better. So if you guys disqualify this pick, but I have to say this guy's name. I'm gonna take Sleepy Randall. Ryan I had, Randall. I, I had him on mine. Um, okay. good never player featured player never the featured never the featured player never the featured player but like a very quality player juco transfer um 
but was never really like a featured guy on any of these Maryland teams that he was a member of um, and wasn't there for four years. So you kind of forget about him. There's another similar guy. This is a big man that I almost took here um, from a couple years later, but on the national championship team, played like 10 minutes a game um, and then kind of broke out the next year. Really good um, the next year. Over 10 points and, and on, a, on a Maryland team that made the Sweet 16. So I'm going to take him first. And then I have to do some lip service for my high school. I'm taking Cabot Hall, class of 2010 Spinach, John Graham, with my final pick. Shout out to John Graham. Great guy. Um, and, is, and went to Penn State first, came back, loves Maryland, reps Maryland, loves the Ravens. Ernie Graham, his father, held the Maryland scoring record. Um, I'm taking my guy, Big John. Shout out to the class of 2010 for Coward Hall. And kind of fits into this perfectly. He's a very random Maryland player. Thanks, your last one. Okay. This guy wasn't originally on my board, but I think the Dino Gregory thing expanded my horizons just a little bit where the framework where this guy fits in. I'm going to take Chuck Mitchell. I got to take Chuck Mitchell. He's an absolute knucklehead. Yep, that's uh, Two years at Maryland, transferred out, two years at Georgia Tech. So four years in the ACC. Almost averaged a double-double his senior year at Georgia Tech. Uh, I specifically remember uh, a game when I was at Maryland where it was the last dying days of whatever the BB&T Classic had become, and Maryland played a game down at Verizon Center, and I went to the game and maybe went for a beer after in that neighborhood there uh, at Verizon Center in Chinatown. Got on the Metro, walked from the Metro to Cornerstone, and Chuck Mitchell was already there post-game. <laughs> he was there upstairs, and Jake Lane was there with him too. Um, and they were just, you know, it was a Sunday fun day for them. But, like, just me thinking about the timing of them finishing a game and leaving the arena and beating me to Cornerstone was outrageous to me. He, you know, he was the kind of guy who always was smiling, having fun out there on the court. Um, but you could probably tell maybe it didn't take um, the rigorous side of being a student athlete all that seriously. So, I don't know. He's kind of funny to think about in hindsight. Plus, he's just a big ball. He's just a, just kind of a Charles Barkley type, body type at least. There are a couple Chuck Mitchell in-game stories I would like to tell on this podcast that I will at some point, but not right now. <laughs> um. Yeah, Chuck Mitchell. Just in case Charles Mitchell's listening. Just in case Charles. Not even. I don't even care if Charles <laughs> Mitchell's listening. Right. Um, finish this off, RDT. Got to got to stick with another Hoko guy. Um, guy was just Maryland through and through. David Pierman. David Pierman. I don't know if anyone on this podcast knows who David. I do. Who listens I to this do. podcast knows who he is. Um. What do you, two years in Maryland, three years in Maryland? I think, I think two is a walk on, maybe, yeah. And then, and then he transferred to uh, Salisbury, which is probably where he should have gone the entire time. It's um, hard to turn down the walk on spot if you can go and get oh, it. Man. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, played for Oakland Mills here in Howard County. 22, 22 games in 07. He played two in 07, 08, nine in 08, 09, and then 11 in uh, 09. Oh, so he's here for three years, okay. So four, 45 minutes played career. Three for 16 shooting, uh, scored seven points. But, again, it just a completely – I just remember, like, when, when Reservoir would play them, it was early, you know, like, oh, we have Oakland Mills next week. Like, David Pierman, that's the guy going to Maryland. And we'd watch him, and he was a monster. And then I was excited to watch him the next year, and I was like, oh, he's not. 
going to play at all. Like, <laughs> he is not going to wear a jersey underneath his warm-up either. Like, there's no point. But, uh, yeah, again, just your very stereotypical random Maryland Terrapin basketball player. I mean, he got on the board. That's all that matters. He's, he's, on the, he's literally a random player. To recap, I took Jinsu Choi, Roddy Peters, Earl Badu, Sleepy Randall, and John Graham. Banks takes Hawk Paulson, Will Bowers, Hassan Fafana, Ashton Pankey, and Chuck Mitchell. RDT takes Varun Ram, Brian Magan? Magid, M-A-G-I-D. Sorry. Um, Mike Grinnan, Dino Gregory, and David Pierman. My honorable mentions are as follows. Jerome Burney. Dave Neal's not a random Maryland player, but he deserves to be mentioned here because there really is a there really is an avenue where he is a random Maryland player, but he has just too many notable things about him to be one. The pick. Baron Weiss, Parrish Brown, mm-hmm. Sterling Ledbetter, Andre Collins, Spencer Barks, and LG Gill. I I, I thought about putting LG Gill on, on mine. <laughs> I had him I on my about list. <laughs> I, yeah. I got um I don't even know if he's a, a random one. Uh, a Ken A. Beckway. I think he may have made my last Terps. Nah, too, too much, too much. Okay. Yeah, too, he played too much. That's why I let him sit. Yeah. Um, Andrew Terrell, obviously. I had Parrish Brown. I had Sterling Ledbetter. Again, I wanted to put Boom Osby, but he's – Yeah, too he's much bad. there. Yeah. I had Michael Parker, M-Y-C-H-A-L, maybe my favorite. Yeah. Michael. Michael. Um, and then I had Shaq Clear, who, again, I, he's kind of the same as Chuck Mitchell, like – I don't know. Could have could have done with him. Could have done without him. But that guy was really. My he was a nice kid. Yes, he was. Shaq Clear. Shaq Clear got interviewed by the Washington Post after he decided to transfer and apologized to the fan base for not living up to expectations. What a classy guy. Yeah, like he seemed like he got so criticized by Maryland fans, like just hammered over and over. He just had these apologized. awesome videos in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man. very nice kid. Also, he transferred to Texas Texas? from the Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. Texas. And played yeah. minutes for them. I, I had Baron Weiss on my fourth round draft pick card. I, it was written down, and I, I changed it to Ashton Penke. Baron so Weiss. I, he was high on there. Um, you say Sabrinus, not not random enough, but yeah. Yeah, Logan Aaron Hall. Yep. Maybe in the fringy category, Keyshawn Howard, just because he just – Feels random, kind of. I thought he, he, was, he was a four-year like contributor. I, um, I was thinking about him, but I thought he was too. Close to, did he end up playing on the West Coast? USC, I think. USC. Right? USC, whereas Nick Faust ended up at Long Beach State, I think. Yep. Uh, no, Deion um, Wiley, no shouties. Yeah, no shouties. That's a good one. I forgot about Deion. Deion, Deion yeah. Wiley. No shoddies. No shoddies is one of the all-time great Twitter <laughs> handles. We would refer, yeah, some... refer to him in the office as no shoddies. Like we're talking, sure. Like, hey, what's going on, no shoddies? <laughs> uh, Andrew Terrell, I'm surprised he wasn't taken. Like, that's just kind of a cheap pick that somebody could have taken just to kind of, I don't know. Uh, Joshua Tomajic mm-hmm. would have been a good pick, I think. Ricky Lindo, Cyril Smith. Joel Merrill, more recent picks, maybe. Yeah, some of those are going to look – like, Joel Merrill will be a great pick for this in, like, five years. I forgot yeah, yeah. that he – I had to look him up. I forgot he transferred to Oregon State. Yeah. Oh, I did. Uh, also, also Trayvon, a very nice kid. Trayvon Reed as well. Mm. 
Yeah, it's that... Steve Goings down as well. I forgot to say him, Steve Goings. Yeah, Wait. Trayvon Reed, yeah. tough scene. Is that the guy – is that the seven-footer who stole from 7-Eleven and broke his finger? Yep. Correct. That's what That's I thought. That's the guy. <laughs> I don't know where he ended up. I was going to say. I'm about to find out right now. Ended up at Auburn. Yes, I remember that. Wow. And then went to Texas Southern and is now playing for BC Dynamo till BC of the Georgian Superliga. There <laughs> you absolutely have it. Do you know who is on his uh, AAU team? I'm looking at it right now. I do not. D'Angelo Russell, Grayson Allen, and Joel Berry. It's a pretty good team. Jeez. Decent. Yeah. Wow. Although he's not listed on the BC Dynamo roster, so maybe he's not playing there anymore. After a police officer attempted to arrest Reed, he attempted to flee and became, became engaged in a scuffle with the officer and broke two of his fingers. A second officer came over and Reed was arrested. Jesus. What a 7-Eleven that is, by 15 the way. days in jail. What a weird situation. Um, yeah, wasn't anything. Good draft. I love talking. I could talk Maryland basketball for hours. This could just be a Maryland basketball podcast if we ever wanted to be. Speaking of Maryland basketball players, Nick Kaner Medley, Maryland person of the week. I'll go first. I never go first. This is an easy pick for me. Um, Sunday, I'll just Maryland men's soccer. Ryan Blumberg played nine minutes in his whole career. Started on senior day as a senior. Scored. Played 53 minutes, helped the Terps beat Indiana. Incredible story. Guy had been out for injury for two years. He's an awesome kid. He deserved every bit of the moment. As he, as the game was ending, I thought to myself, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast for Nick Kater Medley, Maryland personally. Shows where my head's at when I'm working. Shout out to Ryan Blumberg, the Aussie from Sydney. Freaking sweet. I had goosebumps for like 20 minutes. It was really one of the coolest things I've ever seen in a sporting event. Kid is just not played at all. Comes in, biggest game of the year. Headed goal. Shout out to him. RDT. I am going to go with all of the moms because my wife has been sick the last day and a half, two days, and taking care of a child and getting up in the morning and doing breakfast and getting them dressed and getting them Are you them just asking daycare. us to thank you for your service here? Like, what is happening? Right no, now? I just don't know how they do it. It's, un- it's crazy. Mm. Like, I'm exhausted. Very exhausted. So moms, I don't know how they do it every morning. Take the dog out and make breakfast. My mom, Tina, shout out. Shout out to Tina. Shout out to moms. Big moms fan. Huge fan of moms. All right. Thanks. I'm taking the Browns. I love the Browns. The Browns is the Browns. Uh, I'm enjoying this early. You know, we touched on it earlier, but I kind of wanted to save talking about it a little more. Uh, I just love watching them win off seasons and just knowing that it's just, they're going to find a way to kind of melt and fall apart. And I know there's still a chance for them to kind of turn things around and find it. And they've still got talent and all those types of things, but there are just moments where you just take a step back and you just look at the Browns and you just say, thank God that's not us. The, the, the dad, Odell's dad posting the video is like an all time. I mean, it's right out of the RG three, like, Playbook. Yeah. The Redskins yeah. RG3. It's they're like carbon mm-hmm. copies of each other. The quotes today from Baker were great. Like it's again, the Browns is the Browns. There's just like this whole free Odell clan that's out there. I, I stand with LeBron, free Odell. I stand with LeBron. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm sure you do. Odell State. Um, I saw somebody trying to make the point today that the Giants kind of biffed the whole Odell Beckham situation. Am I remembering that situation incorrectly? Um, and now they're saying the Browns have screwed up the situation. Uh, I don't know. Is that true? Like, are people – is that how it's being perceived? Like, Odell, Odell Beckham's been in the right in both of these scenarios? Like, he's the one getting screwed over? He's not getting screwed over in Cleveland. Like, maybe they should cut him now. But, like, what has he done to help them? I mean, I everything – I mean – I can't remember him saying the right thing or, you know, at points in time or, like – you know what I mean? Like, why does he I, not – like – Why I, does he get, get rope, you know, in terms I, of I, I, saying, I don't like, know. I think he's an awesome player. I, I, yeah. Oh, was an awesome player, but I – it's very bizarre. And if you look back at it, not a not a bad trade by by the Giants. Yeah. And by, now, have the Giants done anything with any of the assets? Not really. They no. suck. I'm genuinely asking though. Like, am I misremembering the Giants thing? There was a whole boat thing. There was the whole boat thing, and uh, I do think and, people thought. I do and, think I, we'd have to go back and look. I do think that there was like a perception that the Giants we're like not doing a good enough job, I guess, putting things around him maybe or building with him. I don't know, but I, I, I'd have to go back and like read the, he does he not get, petu- he was petulant the whole time. Yeah. He had a fight with a kicking net. Yeah. He's, he's, he's had a weird career. I mean, he's, he, you know, he has one of the iconic plays of the last decade. Yeah. Truly iconic plays. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I'm, I'm not saying yeah. he's not a great football well, player. It's a just... weird situation. I feel weird that people are misremembering that situation. Like, I don't know. It has not worked out in Cleveland. They gave up a lot for him, but it has not worked out. I mean, he had the, the first season, 74 catches, just over 1,000 yards, four TDs. Since then, he's played in 13 games. And the numbers are not that great either. About 500 yards in 13 games. It choked out by Marlon. Three touchdowns, yep. Can I just say that Trey Mancini and Sarah Perlman were halfway out on the stage to accept their award from RDT, and he gave it to moms? That was, that was going to be my uh, – that was my honorable mention. I think if I'm them, I think that I have it locked up. I mean, they have to be stunned. Yeah, but I'm really, It's literally I'm Zoolander. Really like, Derek Zoolander's on the stage and wondering why Owen Wilson is standing there holding his, holding his trophy. I'm really tired, so that's why I was doing all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? Give it to the moms. La, la, la. Give it, give it to the girlfriend that stuck by her boyfriend during cancer. Yeah. Well, Are you that's kidding why me? I was going to do that for honorable mention. Instead, he goes sob story about himself because he's got to wake up early. <laughs> I, no, it wasn't about me. It wasn't about me. It was never about me. It was always about the moms. Oh, my God. RDT was standing up there, and they're just waiting. RDT goes, this is the La La Land moment. La La Land. Moonlight's about to walk up onto the stage. Oh, my gosh. What no. an upset. That is one of the all-time Nick Cannon, Redley, Maryland person of the week upsets. Mm. Any honorable mentions, RDT? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Trey and Sarah <laughs> for getting uh, engaged today uh, over in Ireland on, what is it, Cliffs of? The Cliffs of Moor, yeah. I would think. Of course. Of course. I've been there. Banks gave me the hand sign, like. Oh, man. Like it was the Statue of Liberty and I didn't know or something like that. I do think a lot of people know the Cliffs of Moore. I've seen them before. I would not have gone to my head. I couldn't <laughs> tell you the name. I could not have told you the name. But, uh, yeah, good, you know, good for them. It's, uh, 
Again, quite a year for Trey and Sarah. Um, the Orioles came out with that cool um, little behind-the-scenes home run derby thing the other day, too. Uh, their social media is still killing it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for them and talked to them today and expressed my, my excitement for them. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure they're celebrating over there in Ireland with plenty uh, – with, with some, uh, some Guinnesses and whatever else you do in the Cliffs of Moore. It's a great place. You got anything, Banks? Uh, chili just continues to run train. We've had some all-time chili. great chili days the last week. It's been a great chili week. And now there's no end in sight. I mean, good. good. I'm, <laughs> I, I might make – we should make a big pot for the pandas tomorrow. Mm. That was going to be my honorable mention. It's championship Thursday tomorrow for the pandas. Going for our 13th boot, our 13th Volo boot. Volo, look, it's been a little bit of a rocky year for the Pandas and Volo. They're shortening games. They're, you know, they're running flip cup tournaments randomly like three hours beforehand and not giving anybody any notice. So they're putting us on the worst field every single time with no lights. One less game, DJ yeah, closes, DJ, up, shop DJ closes up shop. Not that that's their fault, but. The Pandas are personal. Come on, McHenry Row people. The Pandas. You know, you choose to live there. You got to live with the consequences. They're being yeah, a DJ on yeah. Thursday night. So how loud 10, could it? Till ten p.m. Like, how loud on. could it possibly be? Um, it's really not that loud. You can't even hear it's it. It's not the even that late. Number one seed through it all, going for another boot. Shout out to the squad. Can't wait for tomorrow. It's gonna be a cold one. Look, this is. It's. 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 The spring season where you head into the warm weather and the, the playoffs are around Memorial Day weekend's great because the playoffs are in beautiful weather. But this this is what separates the teams when you can go into the 45-degree nights at McHenry Row and get it done. And the Pandas historically have. So We've played in this type of weather as well. Shout out to the poor Covington days. Had some rough ones out there, some windy ones. I think it's going to come in handy. Yeah. We're gonna be just we're gonna be just fine. Pandas open it up, open open up their runs of the championship. Six thirty p.m. tomorrow. Six thirty p.m. Uh, against kicking and screaming. So uh, should be thoughts interesting. So yeah, thoughts and prayers to kicking and screaming. Uh, we still have never no no one has ever a listener has ever come to us and been like oh we we play kickball and this is no one if real quick RDT I think you get a kick out of this here are the teams left pardon my base kicking and screaming have no mercy no game scheduled grand slam pieces purple nurple slim kickins damn she kick bruise on first new kicks on the block and dragging our balls. My no favorite game, part no of this scheduled is my favorite part of the always. This is, is always has some, all these things have something to do with like competition or kickball or drinking. And ours is just the pandas all business, baby. See you tomorrow. McKenna row. <laughs> uh, can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, by the way, also the, and RDT, I'm sure you're experiencing this. The candy excess leftover candy from Halloween. Tremendous. And it's in all corners. It's in all corners. My mom has just all this candy. She's like, come get this candy. Mm-hmm. We didn't have 40 trick-or-treaters. We had 16. Oh, yeah. I mean, awesome. well, the, again, I tweeted it out Sunday, but the best part about having a kid is just eating all of their candy and there's nothing they can do about it. Like, zero clue. Yeah. I used to sort and count my candy at the end of the night. 
Yeah, not when you're three years old, though. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. Too. Yeah, true, yeah, true, yeah. true, 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 true. Like, Joe is not going to be like, hey, Dad, that king-size, you know, candy bar went missing. Where, where the hell is that? She's like, Dad, oh. big booty, big booty. Yeah, she's big booty 19. Now she say, says big booty 20. She knows the difference. I have to – unless – you guys have anything else here before I get uh, the I got to give a shout out to my Braves for winning it all. Oh my God. Lifelong, lifelong Braves guy. You want to give it? There's pictures. I've got a 1995, well, picture of me in a 1995 World Series champion t-shirt. Somewhere there's a picture at home. And I've also got some pictures with Greg Maddox and Chipper Jones at, in 2002 at the uh, Wide World of Sports. You want to give us a, uh, want to give us a chop? I'm okay. Wow. There you have it. You have it. Uh, before we get out of here, <laughs> going to give one shout out, uh, RIP to a Baltimore legend, Tom Maddie. We talked about this before the show, um, but a presence, I think, in all generations of Baltimore sports fans from his time playing with the Colts, then being an analyst on NFL games nationally, but then more notably for the Ravens for a while with Scott Garceau. Really from, I think, their from inception to like the mid 2000s, maybe like 2005, is when they switched up the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and was also, also did Maryland games. I actually didn't know. Johnny Holiday tweeted that. I said I did Maryland football games as well with Johnny. So all around the local sport. And did, as I said, the greatest broadcast in sports history each year, the Turkey Bowl on WMAR, live from either M&T Bank Stadium or Towson. Uh, Coward Hall versus Loyola. So Tom Maddy, uh, as you said, Eric, a really cool story of him sending Kendall Hinton, the Denver Broncos wide receiver that had to play quarterback after Maddy was an emergency quarterback years and years ago, sent him an email about it. Seemed to be a beloved guy by all. There were a lot of Twitter tributes to him from local media and, and personalities and types. So, um, and when he was on TV and radio, it just seemed like a guy that like loved the game. Um, I can't say I ever met him, but you could like kind of feel always his enthusiasm through the broadcast. And he used to sell the hell out of those Coward Hall games. So shout out to him um, in terms of the football and the kids and all those different things. So I always appreciate that. So RIP Tom Maddy, Baltimore legend. Um, and, uh, Hope that, that all of his family um, enjoyed the sort of like the, the tributes to him because that was very, very cool to watch from somebody that didn't never met him. That's it for this week's episode of the XF52 podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels at Barstool Banks at E-D-I-T-T-I-22 at Taylor Smythe 10. You can follow the podcast at XF52 podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure to follow our boy Ramey. You can, you'll find him. We, we have to give him a shout out as he continues to help us tweet on our, on our personal stuff. Shout out to thread level midnight, go grab the X 52 merch, go grab some of their merch that our guy Marty Stum has been designing for them. Really cool stuff on there. Shout out to uh, fed thrill as always, as I hold the sunglasses in my hand as you guys went to Jimmy seafood. I missed you on Friday, but you guys have the happy hour at Jimmy's Jimmy's always treats us well. So appreciate them. We will see you next time. Well, for the incident analysis on Sunday, that's when we'll see you on the X52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.